sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, and that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells within my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And are you... What's that? Oh, Anne's coughing. She's oh, okay. Coughing, coughing fit, and I want to make sure she's Oh, alive. okay. Is she good? Yeah, she's okay. Her, uh, okay, good. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Romans 7. Connie, uh, Sean saved you from, from the end there, so you're good. I was going to say thank you, Sean. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's pick up uh, verse 13 real quick. Just a reminder, we've said this several weeks now, in verse six, or in chapter 6 and 7, Paul's asking uh, four key questions and then answers them, as, as Paul's very good at all throughout Romans. He asks uh, rhetorical questions, and then he answers them for you. So he's, he's kind of getting in the mind of the reader, the listener, and then he answers it for you. So he's been asking four key questions in Romans 6 um, and 7. And and now um, the fourth question we're going to pick up on in verse 13 is, is the law a killer? Is, is it the law's fault? Is the law what has introduced death? And his, his clear answer is going to be no, sin is the killer. Um, and then we're going to move on in, in 14 through 25 and he's going to talk about the experience, the, the Christian experience, right, of sin that remains. Um, though we've been completely forgiven of our sin, fully justified in God's sight, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, so that God calls us son, God calls us daughter for those who have believed in Jesus as the way, the truth, the life, um, the, the presence of sin remains. And if you guys remember last week, we, we stressed this. Um, it's easy to remember. We kind of use three uh, Ps to remember that first we've been saved from the penalty of sin, which is death. Um, and then through the, the powerful resurrection of Jesus and the indwelling presence of his Holy Spirit, we have power over sin. Um, we've died to the power that sin once had over us. But the third uh, that we look forward to one day is the complete removal of the presence of sin. So while we've been saved from the penalty and the power sin once had over us, we can't wait for the day where the very presence of sin will be removed from us. I was just reading Revelation 21 this morning, and what a promise is as God talks about how there'll be no more mourning and sickness and pain and death. and every He'll wipe away every tear 
from our eyes and just the, the vision God has for the new heavens and the new earth. And uh, we all long for that. So Paul's going to just be straight up with his struggle. Um, and then you're going to see kind of two, two, two cries of the Christian heart in verse 24 and 25 when we get there is, is this cry of discouragement of who's going to rescue me? I feel defeated. And then he kind of ends with this crescendo of hope. Uh, that Christ has rescued and he will save. He'll see this to completion. And then we move into Romans 8 um, after that. So would somebody read verse 13 and then we'll start working through uh, line by line here. So verse 13. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to uh, to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. All right. Thank you, John. It's, uh, it's important to note here in uh, earlier in the chapter, specifically in verses 6 through 12, Paul spoke in the past tense, I was. Uh, moving forward in the rest of the passage, you're going to see him switch to present tense. Um, and uh, you're going to hear him use I am. And uh, so from I was, past tense, to present tense, I am, uh, to describe what the life of a Christian is like, uh, even for someone like the Apostle Paul, right, that we we respect and admire and say, man, we want to imitate him as he imitates Jesus. He lays out for us what it's like, though saved from the penalty of sin and the power of sin, um, to still wrestle, right, with the presence of sin in our lives. Um First, he, as we said, this fourth question he's asking is, is he's anticipating that you and I might be thinking, well, wait a second, um, did that which is good then bring death to me? Did, did the law, was it the law that, that ended up bringing death to me? And he says, no, by no means it was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. So Paul wants you and me to know sin is the killer. The law is good. It's, it's, it's from God. God knew from the very beginning, even all the way back in Mount Sinai when he's laying out the law for the people of Israel, he knew the, the law wouldn't solve the, the human problem and condition of sin. Um, but he knew that the law would expose you and I and our condition of sin and, and show it for what it is. Um, any thoughts, any comments, observations you guys have there in verse 13? In a real practical way to me, it's almost like a person who has cancer. You know, the cancer is eating up their body like sin, mm-hmm. and, it's sin and the cancer is the cause, but they end up getting like pneumonia or whatever. They die. It, it was the cancer that brought on the pneumonia and everything else, but it was the cancer that was actually killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Paul wants to make clear here that, you know, the law, you know, the law isn't the bad guy here, um, though at times it feels like it is because it exposes how sinful we are. Instead, it was like the law was a weapon in the hands of sin, Um producing death in us. Similar, if you guys remember back in chapter 6, where Paul, we, we stressed over and over to know, um, reckon, and present 
So once you and I know that we've been crucified with Christ and raised to new life in him, and then we've got that locked in our heart, we do the math and we say, this is true of us. This is our identity now. We no longer have to present the members of our body um, to the slave master of sin to be used for wickedness. But now we present members of our body to grace, to our new master, Christ, who will use us for righteousness. Similar language Paul's using here, that it's, it's as if the law was a weapon in the hands of sin um, to be really produce more death um, and more falling short of the glory of God. Any other thoughts on that before we move into 14? All right. Uh, somebody just read that one line there in 14 for us, please. Well, we know that the law... Go ahead, Connie. Before we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. All right. Uh, maybe I just... Um, here in 14, what you're going to see, actually in, in all of seven, I jot it down. You're going to see Paul, it can get, uh, as we've read a couple times now, it can get a bit confusing, right? Uh, Paul is so um, dense in his writing, dense in a good way. <laughs> um, and he uses the word law uh, in three very distinct ways in Romans 7 alone. So just notice this with me. Take a look at verse 14, 16, 22, and 25. And when Paul uses the word law, he simply means the law of God in those verses in 14, 16, 22, and 25. That's the first way he uses law. The second, in verse 21, is he uses the word law more like a principle. Um, in 21, he says, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. So the first time he uses law several times, he's referring to the law of God, right? The teachings of God, uh, maybe what we would call the Torah. Um, the second time he uses it in verse 21 He's saying, this is, I find this to be a principle in my life. This, this seems to be something that keeps happening. And then the third way that he uses law in chapter 7, in verses 23 and 25, he uses it to mean a force or a power. Um, so he'll say something along the lines, verse 23, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So just kind of keep those in your mind as we work through these verses um, that Paul's using law distinctly three different ways. Um, referring to the law of God, referring to as a principle, and then third, as a force or a, a power as he talks about this inner struggle and conflict. Does that make sense? Questions on that? My, my Bible's got a definition for law here. It okay. says the Greek term for law here means an inward principle of action, either good or evil, operating with the regulatory, the regularity of law. The term also designates a standard of a person's life. The Apostle Paul described three such laws. The first called the law of sin, which it was operating through the, his flesh, causing him to sin. Paul, like all other believers, needed another law to overcome the law of sin. 
This is the law of the spirit of the life of Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. which makes us free from the law of the sin of death. By following this law, the believers can actually fulfill the righteousness requirements of God's law, which is the third law in this section. It is the standard for human action that corresponds to righteousness, the nature of God. Mm -hmm. Ron, was that specifically a footnote from verse 14? It went from 6.14 through 8.4. Okay, got it. Okay. That's helpful. Yeah, that's we'll we'll dig in, especially next week when we get into Romans eight, where he exactly what you said, Ron. He talks about the law, the spirit of life has set you from, or has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So yeah, that'll be. We'll make that distinction when we get to to um, Romans eight. We can be thinking about what does it, what is the law, the spirit of life, uh, in comparison to what we've been talking about with the law. Um, And then in verse 14, as we continue, he says, we know that this law, in this instance he's referring to the law of God, is spiritual. And the word he uses there, um, spiritual, is the same phrase, if if you guys remember one of our favorite passages we quote around the well quite a bit, in 2 Timothy, it says that all scripture is God-breathed. Um, meaning inspired by God. Um, And so Paul uses the same word here. The law is spiritual, meaning it's breathed out by God um, as it was spoken from God to Moses on Mount Sinai. Um, It's trying to indicate that the law is good. It comes from God. It reveals his character. Um, So don't throw, throw out the law as if, hey, this was always bad, it always made us sin. No, the law was good. It revealed the goodness and the character of God. It's just that uh, the law, uh, what it did is it showed us how far we've fallen short, right? Um, And then verse, the second part of verse 14, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. So Paul's contrasting the law of God breathed out by him, inspired by him, but me, uh, of the flesh sold under sin. And so Paul's referring to the weakness that uh, we all share as humans, being susceptible to sin and to death. Um, as we prayed earlier, right, decaying really from the moment we're born um, and prone, uh, as we read all the way back in Romans, um, prone to turn away from God and seek our own ways. So any thoughts on 14 before we move into 15? Um, yeah, um, but when Paul says I am of the flesh, you know, we talked when we first started Romans about Paul using kind of mm-hmm. a duality mm-hmm. of, of words or synonymous words. And this is one of those words where law in, in this case means multiple things. So does flesh. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it means the, the physical body, yeah. but it also means the embodiment of Adam, the, that endemic nature that we, we so struggle with that Paul's going to lay out so brilliantly uh, and practically moving forward. What's interesting, though, um, is it seems like he starts talking about flesh just a chapter or so ago, but he really kind of sets it up in chapter one, um, and it's very, very subtle. Um, it says, let me go back to there real quick, if I can find it. Um, he says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you 
because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. So he's already mm-hmm. separating spirit and flesh. And that's something I want you guys to, to, to really see is, is there is a separation. And Paul's going to, Paul is going to um, uh, lay that out here, just uh, uh, the latter part of seven about the difference between flesh and, and spirit and that natural struggle and the natural tension that we have. That's as good. believers. Sean, can we lean on you maybe as we work through this each time it kind of mentions flesh, um, just kind of giving us the, the context for that, uh, of what he's referring to when he says, when he's talking about this struggle. Yeah, for sure. Um, so verse 15, I do not understand my own actions. I, I think you're here moving forward. You know, Sean and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I think this is where you and I can find great hope and comfort mm-hmm. um, as Christians. We're we're listening and leaning into almost. It feels like Paul's journal here. Um, Paul just laying out some of his wrestlings and going back to the Lord. It reminds me of in Second Corinthians. He talks about um, how God is strong in His weakness. Three times he pleaded with the Lord to to take something away from him. But the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. This is similar. It seems like Paul's just letting us in, kind of giving us a window into his prayers um, with the Lord as he struggles and and so wants to live righteously uh, like Jesus, but feels this, the power of the law of sin right there with him. Um, So I think you and I find incredible uh, encouragement in a, Misery loves company sort of way right here in in Paul's words. So verse 15, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Um, What do you guys think? What's Paul driving at here? What's he expressing in verse 15 as we move forward? I think it's showing that someone's trying to do it on their own. I, you know, I try to quit sitting on my own. It's not going to happen. I have to have mm. the power of Christ. And I think he's driving that home. Yeah. And without Christ, we could do nothing. That's good. I think, I think is at verse 24, when we, when we kind of wrap up in seven, you're going to see that complete kind of coming, coming to the end of your rope, right? Of like, can't do this. Who's who's going to save me for myself? Essentially, is what he's going to say. Um, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. He's describing this internal conflict, these competing desires. I think, like a silly a silly example, I jotted down. Mel showed me a while ago, like this meme on Facebook or something of somebody saying, "I re- I really want a great body, but I also really love tacos." And and that's just such a good picture of like, that's the human like competing desires, right? It's like, yeah, I want this, but I also really want this. And I know that the two can't really coexist. John, you got a thought? I got a question actually. Uh, In this context, uh, and I don't want to hijack this too much, but go for it. He's um, talking about a struggle here and, uh, you, you've mentioned that we've been free from the power of sin. Mm-hmm. How does that, how do those two things connect? And I guess uh, one of the questions is, uh, how do we define the power of sin? Is it only in um, 
that uh, death has been uh, defeated? Mm. Or what? Is, what is if, if we're free from the power of sin? What are the? What are the? How is it that he's saying, "I, I, I do what I, I don't want to do"? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if we're free, what is, how is it that we are having the struggle? If we have power and free from the power of sin, what is that power we're talking about? And yeah. what is the freedom that we're talking about? Yeah. John, that's a great great question i think for for clarity's sake um mm-hmm. <clears throat> i think paul is uh paul is is laying in front of us that um though we're saved in that power of salvation or that power of 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 um of um, um conquering comes through christ which is our new creation remember god talks about a a new heart becoming a new creation um and so that power coming from Christ for our new creation that separates us from our old edemic nature. The problem is that we, we have both. We have our edemic nature because we have flesh hmm. um, that we're still contending with. But our soul, our, our, our heart has been changed into um, a new creation. Hmm. And I feel like I'm just repeating myself now, but... <laughs> Um, our heart's been changed into a new creation, and therefore the, the new creation struggles with that old creation. Our new man, our new creation, desires to do the things mm-hmm. of God because mm-hmm. it's inclined toward God. But our old man, our, our flesh, still desires to serve sin. Mm-hmm. That's good. It reminds... Does that answer? that help answer? You... Yeah. Yeah, thank you for that question, John. I think that's so important to clarify here. So thank you for that. And Sean, well said. It reminds me of, I know we said it's kind of a corny example, but it reminds me of back in chapter six, we, we use the example of um, when you change jobs. If you had um, a, a job that you absolutely hated and you had a, a boss that was demanding uh, but in order to keep your job, you had to do whatever the boss asked of you, come in on Saturdays, etc. But then um, you were able to quit that job and get a new job with a, with a great boss. That old boss can call you and, and uh, demand that you come in and, and work a Saturday. Um, but you have the power now to say, hey, I've got a new job with a new boss. I don't need to come in and work on Saturday um, for you. Um, but that boss still has the ability. The boss still has the, the access to give you a call and see if you're crazy enough to go back and work for him. And, uh, that seems to be what Paul is driving home is, is sin used to be our boss demanding everything of us and we would follow, um, its power and give in every single time. But uh, through the crucifixion of Christ, we've been crucified to the old boss, this, the boss of sin, been given new life in Christ. But sin still loves being present and loves calling us up and say, hey, come, come work for me again. Come, come on over here. And so to Sean's point, we've been given a new heart with new desires, um, but that old kind of man wants to kind of dabble in the, the old world again. So 
Um, yeah, that's. I think that's a really, really helpful question, John. I think especially as we keep moving forward through seven, to, to keep that clear in our minds. So thank you for that. Any anything, John, you would add to that? No, I, I, um, you know, it just. I think in my mind, I, I, I continue to battle with the idea that mm. I'm separated from that old nature, mm. but I still have the fleshly body that. <clears throat> is not separated from that old nature. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm awaiting a new body, and the, the uh, desires of that old body um, uh, drive my old brain, mm. you know, to do what I don't want it to do. Um, and then how, how practically uh, can I uh, live in that new nature that overcomes the old body and the old nature. Mm. Uh, when temptation comes, how do I um, um, choose to live in that old nature practically? Mm. So it's just this, you know, Romans 7 is not just a thesis, but it is mm. a, um, a outworking of, of the reality of that for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I think what I've, and again, I'm just talking out loud and learning is to say, um, try to practice immediately, say, no, I am mm. no longer tied to that. Mm. I am tied to Christ. I reject that. Mm. Um, and so uh, I, I'm just, I guess my question is, that sound reasonable to pursue that line of thought? Mm. Uh, as we battle that old nature that mm. Paul's talking about that he struggled with. Mm. How did Paul, how did Paul deal with it? You know, um, so yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the practicality of Romans seven, working it out to where it is actually becoming true in mm. my life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just wanted your thoughts on you guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, it, it may be semantics, but I, I like the word "set apart" opposed to "separate." You know, I just we are separated. It's I don't know. It's just it just sounds more palatable for me. Mm-hmm. Separate, Ron. Clarify a little bit. So, separated from sin, you're saying set apart from sin. Is that what you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, because I, we, I think. Being set apart, you can you can function in the new way. Being separated, it's always going to have a portion, and maybe it is maybe separated, right? But you're always going to have a portion in that area that you are being separated from. I guess it's almost like you can separate oil and water, mm-hmm. you know. But if you, you you put you set apart oil and set apart water. It's two different things. You, each of the other could see the other. Mm-hmm. You don't have the debris from the the one or the other in, in the other. It reminds me, you know, and John, you've said this before. I think the Exodus story is the is the template for the gospel, right? And really, the template for every one of our lives that we can use, kind of for our own story. And that's that. We were once enslaved under the the evil power of Pharaoh, freed, redeemed, brought out into the wilderness, promised, you know, a new life and new land in God's presence. But 
in the meantime, we're in these wilderness wanderings. And what do you see? What do you see the people of God struggling with in kind of that land in between slavery and then complete freedom in the in the promised land? Is this desire to go back? This this um, wondering, like, well, maybe that life wasn't so bad. And uh, that seems to be the even when we've been completely freed, even when we're promised. Um, you know, complete rest in the, in the presence of God as we move forward. Um, there's something in us that wants to go back, reimagining that the old life was better than it actually was. Um, and John, what you said reminded me of, we talked about this before, but um, I sin when I forget who I am. And that seems to be, John, what you're trying to do. Tell me if I'm wrong, is you're, you're trying to implement Romans 7 practically into your life is, to remember who you are. And so, when yeah. To, yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's a good reminder. Yeah. Um, and I guess what I'm grasping for is a hurry up version of <laughs> the renewal of the mind and the heart. Yeah. Yeah. And so that it, 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 the Christian life, a holy life is as easy as my old sinful nature is. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> Back against that just a little bit. Um, I think I think you know scripturally we already have a changed mind and a changed heart. I think the hurry up is waiting for that glorified body that that agrees with the heart and the mind. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I would I would push back on that. Is is that it's it's a gradual process of uh, being transformed into the image of Christ. And um, it's a dichotomy to, to what Scripture says, you know, that we are um, born again and we, we are uh, holy in his eyes, and yet I don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, I, I'm struggling with the practicality of uh, reckoning, as we've talked about mm-hmm. before, to, to believe what is true about us uh, in spite of what I see in my heart and my mind mm-hmm. and to, to reject that. And so I, I want to, I want to hurry up the process that we're going to find in the next few verses. Um, um, and you know, it talks about in what 25, I'll just step in real quick. He says, so then I, myself serve the law, of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin, and so mm-hmm. I want I want to be rid of that power that you're talking about, mm-hmm. Dave, mm-hmm. of sin over me. Yeah. And how how does that practically work out on a daily life for us? And and, and I is do you think it's just reckoning? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts? How do we get from? Uh, to the reality of a crucified life where Christ lives in me mm. and I don't, you know, and I, and I die. Mm. Mm-hmm. So just maybe something to ponder. I, I don't want, I don't know if we can ever get to the answer to that, but um, I think that's the essence of this, this passage is uh, the battle from the old nature to the new and the overcoming that, you know, um, uh, through Jesus Christ but there's got to be a, a a practical method of not 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 working it out, but 
the Holy Spirit transforming our hearts and our minds so that it, it is really true in us. Mm-hmm. I, I think I see what you're mm-hmm. saying, John, regarding the reckoning portion, that while we know it's true, how do we practically apply that? Uh, or how, how, yeah, is that, is that kind of what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, and when, when sin's knocking out the door, mm-hmm. you know, say for anger or hate or whatever, how does that practically work out? Is it, is it a rejection of that thought and say, no, I, I, I reject that thought. Mm. I reject that as an old nature. I'm not tied to that anymore. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, and believing what I, I, it doesn't seem possible. Mm-hmm. But degree by degree, right? Yeah. What's that? I said degree by degree. Yeah. And, we, we look back and, and, and we don't see virtually any change. I can't see a difference in me from today to last week or two weeks ago. But I look at what God's done over the last year or mm-hmm. over the last two or three years, and, and I see a big change. And so the question is, is it something that we rest in that mm-hmm. God is going to make those changes over time? And, and, and mm-hmm. John, I think really that's the only thing we can do. Again, I agree, though, that we, we do need to push back against those, those times when, when, we, um, when we're prone to, to strike out or, or to, to sin. Um, but I think only God's going to make that change over the long haul. It's degree by degree. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for, for, um, entertaining my thought here. You know, my question, I should say, and it kind of throw things off, off course, but it's, um, something that Romans seven here has been, you know, kind of driving in the back of my mind. What does that look like practically? Yeah. Yeah, and that's needed, John. As, as we work through these verses, yeah, please keep helping us get it back to the practical. Because I, I think, especially moving forward, we're moving, you know, from from the theological into the practical, and they go hand in hand. But if we don't do that, we're missing it. So, yeah, keep, keep pausing us and digging in. Uh, I do love what you referenced, Sean, the degree by degree. That seems to be... Um, Paul, Paul's answer seems to be, um, yeah, contemplating and drawing near to and beholding the glory of Jesus is what begins to transform us. So it seems to be both like, and it's maybe why Paul stresses so much put off and put on, put off the old things, um, put those to death. Um, but put on the righteousness of Christ. And and we've talked about this before in Ephesians. He talks about how, hey, not only should a thief stop stealing, but a thief should start working and then giving generously to others. Uh, And that's when you know a heart is being transformed is when a thief is not just, hey, I shouldn't sin anymore, but Oh, I, I want to be generous. Like Jesus is generous. I want to work hard so that I can share my resources with people around me rather than take their resources from them. So now a thief just went from someone who steals to someone who loves to be generous. That seems to be, you know, maybe where Paul's taken us is, Hey, don't just try and get rid of anger. Um, how, how can we die to that anger? And then what is, what is the opposite of that? How is Jesus the opposite of the wrong kind of anger and the, the right kind of 
uh, expression of that emotion um, and how do we move into that? And so, um, for example, for me, you guys know it, it's no secret. I've shared and even used this example several times for me, people pleasing and just saying not, not only do I not want to um, fall to a lack of courage and, and um, wanting to please people and wanting people to like me, I want to put that need in me to be liked by people to death. And then by the Spirit of God, I want to I wanna be someone who's courageous. I want to stand for truth and stand with Jesus no matter what. And so that seems to be Paul's, where we're going to be going is, is not only put off, but put on. Put off the old and put on the new. So, John, keep, keep asking the questions. Keep helping us get practical here because I, I don't want to just gla- you know, skip over and, and miss opportunities to say, how is this applied to our thinking, believing, and our living? So thank you for that. Uh, would somebody read 16 through 18? Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. All right. So what catches your guys' eye as you look at those couple verses here? Any, anything in 16 through 18? <laughs> What does it mean when he says, I agree with the law that it is good? In 16? Yeah. I agree with the law that it is. What is the, the question for me is, what does the law represent, right? It represents the perfection of God. Mm-hmm. And he's contrasting that he is, as, as 6 and 7 talks about, he, his flesh, is not able hmm. to... Fill, um, fulfill that perfection and that sin dwells in him that the, the part again he's, he's contrasting the flesh mm-hmm. versus the renewed man that the changed heart yeah it's funny sometimes I'll study this is how Paul Paul like uh, I'll spend the rest of my life trying to understand Paul because sometimes I'll study something like this, feel like I got good notes for it, and then I'll reread it and I'm confused again. <laughs> like I'm right now, I'm sitting back here thinking, like I heard the way you just explained that. I'm like, oh man, I feel like I've got it backwards. But um, yeah, that's good. That's good. I gotta think on that some more. Um, what do you mean that, that you have it backward? I, I guess I don't understand. I, in 16, I'm trying to figure out, is he saying, uh, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. Is he saying right there that, hey, I no matter what, I know that the law is good from because it's from God? Or, yeah. So I, he's... He's contrasting again. He's saying, just a moment ago, he talked about his flesh being sold under sin. Mm-hmm. So there, there's the flesh side. Um, now he kind of pivots and says, because I'm struggling with the flesh, the, the desire to sin, but yet I have this changed mind, I'm confused. I don't understand my actions. Yeah. He says, now, 
Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. So what's what part, who is the I in that sentence? The I is the new man. Mm-hmm. That's really the question. Yeah. Um, he keeps shifting back and forth mm-hmm. between I. The, the I in the first part is his flesh. The second part where he agrees with the law that it's good is that I is the new man. And so he's saying, now it's no longer I who do it because I'm a new man. Mm-hmm. But the old I, mm-hmm. the sin that dwells in me. Yeah. Connie's rubbing her head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, is, that is so true. It's like, uh, this is what makes Romans so challenging. Yeah. It's like, you know, the average person is reading this, well, y'all like me, and it's like, yeah. oh. Yeah. <laughs> it, so, really, so we have, so we have, we have to keep in mind that Paul is talking about two different two different mm-hmm. things, two different people, two different natures. He's talking about his old nature and he's talking about his new nature. And if we can identify by reading that which nature he's talking about, it becomes more clear because it sounds like he's just rambling. Yeah. But the, but the truth is he, he's really talking about the, the two natures that we struggle with, mm-hmm. the nature of our flesh, our endemic nature mm-hmm. that we still have to contend with because we have flesh and our new man that has become a new heart in Christ Jesus. Yeah, he's talking about two natures, and he's talking about three uses of the word law. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I agree, Kali. I was telling John and Sean, this is a couple months back, but this time through Romans has humbled me. Um, there, I mean, I've, I've had the opportunity to teach the Romans a couple times. We've done two teaching series on it on Sundays in, in our eight years here with the Well Madera. And I feel like I've got like good notes on it and I've taught it before. And then this time through, it is just messing me up. <laughs> I feel like... So I'm very thankful for, for Sean and getting to co-teach it because sometimes I'm like, man, I studied this. I feel great about it. And now I'm lost again. <laughs> yeah. So it's good. Yeah. So thank, thanks for your guys' help and your patience as we work through Wait, it. Wait, he's leaning in. So it must be something. Okay, John. Good. Yeah. Here, here comes my, some gold. My, my vocals here. I yeah. got a question for you. Would you briefly walk through 15 and 16 and tell us which eyes were he's mm. talking about as it goes on. Mm. Yes. Yes. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. Okay. So he's saying, I, my being does not, a, sorry, in 15, beginning in 15, I, my being does not understand my actions. He's talking about his whole. Okay. For I, I, the new man, does not do what I want, but I, the new man, does everything that I hate. And he hates it because he is a new man. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that very thing that he hates is the sin. And that's breaking of the law. Mm-hmm. In 16, he says, now, if I, the new man, do what I do not want, I, the new man, agree with the law that it is good. So it is no longer I, the new man who do, does it, but sin, the old man that dwells within me. 
and 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 this is all about the new man. The old, the previous verse fifteen is all about the the excuse me, uh, sixteen, ah, fifteen and sixteen is all about the new man, mm-hmm. the the new the, the the new heart. Previous to this, fourteen is about the old man. He says, yeah. "For we know that the law is spiritual, but I, the old man." am of the flesh, the edemic nature, sold under sin. Hmm. Does that help at all, John? Yeah, it does. And, I, and, and you go down and it says, for I have the desire to do what is good. And, and so you, you've got to pause and read that and say, which I are we talking about? Right. And so that's why I make it so difficult. And you've got to do that four or five times yeah. just to get it in your head. Um, you know, and... You know, maybe, maybe what I need to do for myself is uh, each one of those eyes put a note on it and say, "Sinful nature, the new nature." You know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it it, it, it flows. Yeah, maybe that. I think that would help me too. So maybe between now and next week, um, I might go through and do that too, and just in parentheses put "sinful." This is the sinful nature I, and this is the spiritual nature I. Um, and then Sean, maybe I'll I'll send it to you before next week, to, and we can work through it together. Because I want to get that crystal clear in my thinking too. Because um, yeah, yeah, I was reading through it; it felt a little backwards. So thank you for that. Does John did did that um, did that help at all? Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's very helpful. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Thank um, you, Sean. I, I think if, if we if we enter, that's the thing with seven. The latter part of seven is if we enter in with the idea that Paul is contrasting our old self, our old mm-hmm. demic nature with our new heart, it helps bring clarity to it. And so, yeah, if you if you want to mm-hmm. put, okay. you know, old nature, new nature near the eyes, whatever, I, okay. I think that'd be real helpful. Okay. Add that um, as sinners, we could compare sinners to addicts because sinning is like an addiction. Mm. You know, but you know, addicts want to treat that addiction, and it's only a, a, a physical dependence that is that is treated, mm-hmm. that's cured. They have to make that decision that they want to, you know, quit that habit, just like we make a conscious decision to stop sinning. Mm-hmm. But it's a constant struggle for the rest of their life. They're really never cured of their mm-hmm. addiction, just mm-hmm. like never cured from our sinful nature. It's mm-hmm. always going to be there. It's always going to be a lifelong struggle even though we, you know, we are born again just like the, the addict is, you know, uh, no longer an active addict. Mm-hmm. You know, they continue to struggle with that. If they, let's say an alcoholic, you know, they've been uh, sober for years and years and yet if they see a bottle of wine or alcohol in front of them mm-hmm. there's yeah. that you know sinful nature creeping in should i take a drink or should i continue my sobriety and so say with sin yeah mm-hmm. yeah and as you say that reminds me several guys at the rescue mission have been really uh transparent with me over the years and they said sometimes even just the smell of alcohol like they walk in a room, it's not even that somebody's put a drink in front of them, it's just the smell of it can just kind of pull, want to pull on them very quickly. And so, 
it just really that really hit home for me thinking of that's that's really what the sinful nature does right is we've we've died to it we've separated ourselves from it we want nothing to do with it but then sometimes just even the smell of our old life will want to woo us back right so thank you for that Anne. um well, I, I am humbled today, and I, I got some work to do. Uh, so I think what I'm going to do is go back through seven here, do that, and then, Sean, I'll, I'll run it by you, make sure that, that we're accurate here. And then, class, what I'll do is I'll put it in our shared doc, and then through uh, the group text that Ann has set up, um, before next Thursday, I'll send... Um, kind of that translation with um, the added sinful self, spiritual self um, in there so that we can all read through it and then finish up seven. So sound like a plan? Uh, Sean, thank you for, yeah, thank you for teaching this morning. <laughs> Great, grateful for you, man. Yeah, good. Well, um, Sean, would you be willing to pray for us? Yeah, for sure. All right. Father, we, uh, man, we're so so thankful to to be able to to open up your your word. Amazed that the God of the universe had have written to us and, and, and revealed Himself through us through His word. Um, we want to thank you for the the new nature that we get to live through Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, we ask for for wisdom and 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 to be humble and and the the courage to share the gospel. Um, as we uh, as we move about this week, help us to ponder and hold your word, hold your word tight, Lord, and 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 uh, man, ha- uh, have it to be the 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 most important thing in our lives that that we uh, uh, that that we can lean upon, and we thank you for that in the name of Christ, Amen. 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 Have a good morning, everybody. Hey guys. All right. Bye. Bye.